0: asked me if I ever hear babies cry or things like that when I'm preaching and I say no I don't because I don't but sometimes my, my forgetterer works better than my rememberer so I wrote this down during the song we just sang faithful love there was a child somewhere over here singing and that should be a lesson to us As adults, may God allow us to sing without care and without concern of who hears us and with the assurance that our God is alive. So whoever that child is, let me say to you, thank you for the encouragement. I appreciate it. Let me grab this. I'm going to need that, aren't I? What does the Bible say as we continue through our Sunday night series together? We're going to look tonight at at quite possibly an idea that may seem strange to you, but I hope we can tie those things in. As we meet on Sunday nights, sometimes we say, well now it's just us. You know, those who may be passing through town and and visiting may not be here tonight, and maybe it's just us, and perhaps there is a, a sermon for just us. What does the Bible say about being a family with problems and and not a, a physical family, not the family that I live with, who some live on the first floor, some live on the second floor. not that family, but rather the family of God. What does the Bible say about being that family when that family has problems? Here is mostly how we view the religious world. Turn over to second Peter chapter three. Notice the words that Peter writes when he says, As also in all his epistles, speaking unto them of the things in which some things are hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, even as they do with other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Yea, therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with error of the wickedness, fall from your own steadfast. I would like for you to look and maybe circle or highlight this one word in verse number 16. Rest. It starts with a W. W W-R-E-S-T. It's an interesting word. I am a child of the 80s. And as a child of the 80s, I enjoyed on a Saturday morning, mid-afternoon, when the WWF, you remember that group, when they used to come on and Hulk Hogan was on there and, and you'd see these men grab each other and twist each other to ways you'd think their heads were going to come off or their legs were going to come off or their arms were going to come off and then they would, they would fight around in that squared circle and then they would both walk out as if nothing happened to them. The root word for the word found in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 16 that you just highlighted or underlined, rest, is where we get the word wrestle. It's where we get the word twist or contort. And Peter is saying there are those who do not understand the Scriptures who tend to twist them and tend to contort them so that they can fit the things in there that they would like to do and still be all right with God. Brethren, this is how we view the religious world most of the time, isn't it? Look look what they tried to do in order to follow God. I can't believe they would do this or they would do that. And even one that may be a little more unpopular to say out loud, we might keep within our minds and we say, look how wrong they are. Just a side note here. If my attitude to those who are lost in religious error is, look how wrong they are, I ain't never going to save them. Now, that was real Southern. Did y'all understand that? There's no way in this world, because that attitude's going to come out. It's going to seep through my pores. They're not going to want to listen to that. What we forget when we say those things is Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Now, verse 1 has been... Twisted and and turned around so that you can't even hardly say it anymore without somebody saying, not that verse again. You know, judge not, lest you be judged. Don't stop right there. As Matthew 7 begins to unfold, look at what Jesus says. For what judgment that you judge against someone else, that's what's going to be met against you. He goes on with the parable and says, look at this guy right here. He has a four by four sticking out of his eyeball." And his idea is to go over here and to try to remove some dust out of his brother's eyeball while this four-by-four is sticking out of his own eyeball. You know what he says to him? Remove that hunk of wood, then you can see clearly to help your brother. When he begins by saying, don't judge, he said, you better make sure your back porch is clean before you look at somebody else's. Uh Oh, do y'all know that that one too? Okay, sorry. It makes sure your, your own life and the things how you live are in line with God before you tell someone else. A lot of times we look at our religious brothers and sisters and we judge them against what we do. That's wrong. Let me say that again. That's wrong. We shouldn't even judge ourselves by what we do. We should judge ourselves in that religious world by what God says. This is a difference. There's a big difference because what I like to do may be 180 degrees from what God wants me to do. And so I need to understand how to view people. Here's the reality check of this particular sermon. The church that was established in the New Testament... That still is in existence today, that is bought with the blood of Jesus the Christ on that cross some 2,000 years ago, has problems because it's full of people. And people have problems. I heard of a friend one time who was looking uh, for a preaching work, and he said, I'm going to go to this church. It seems like the perfect congregation. I said, Don't go there. And you might be thinking, yeah, there's something hidden there that you don't know. Even if it is the perfect congregation, you don't go there, you're going to mess it up. Because you're going to bring in a problem. You're going to have some sort of conflict. You're going to have an issue. So if that is the perfect congregation, don't you go there. Because you'll mess them up. The reality check is, there are only three kinds of churches. There are either a church that's right in the middle of a problem. There's a church that's about to go into a problem. Or a church is just coming out of a problem. So we need to learn how to deal with the problems as they come up. But what happens when I say... Y- you know, I have a problem. I have a problem with Michael. What happens when, when I say, you know, I think something that Nathan is doing is just wrong? What happens if I say... I, I- Alan, I don't like what you're doing. You know I think you should do? I think you should do this or that. Let me show you what the problem is. The problem is I. You can look through the 66 books that make up the entirety of the Bible. You can look through the 27 books that make up the entirety of the New Testament. And you won't find anywhere where I am the standard. And if you think in... in Uh, July you hired the standard you did not I am not it I have faults I'm a person I am not the standard when did I become that standard look over if you read Romans chapter 14 verse number 22 when I became the standard is when I forgot what a scruple was and what doctrine is Romans 14 22 hast thou faith Have it to yourself unto God. Now understand what he's saying there. He's not asking if you have the biblical faith that Jesus is the Christ and that you believe in him and that you're ready to be baptized and you should just keep that to yourself. What he's saying is do you have a scruple based on faith, based on something you have read and studied within the Bible? Now that's what we need to understand and define. The word scruple. That means I have studied something to a point to where I think this is either right or wrong, even though the Bible does not say, thou shall not eat meat offered to idols. But perhaps I live in Corinth and I've studied through those things and I think to myself, how could I eat this meat that has been offered to idols? There are some people who have a scruple who say, You should lead every verse of a song. Okay. Lead them all. Lead them twice. I don't care. Lead one. Your choice. You won't find in the scripture where everyone says, you must have the red book, whatever it's defined or whatever it's titled there, and you must sing every verse out of every song because we can look through that song book also and find some songs that we ought not sing. The standard is dost thou have faith? Keep it to yourself. There's a difference between a scruple and a doctrine. If that is your scruple, if you have that, then you need to keep that to yourself. That is, you don't need to bind your scruple on me. I don't need to bind my scruple on you. You want to know one of mine? Have you ever asked yourself why he wears a suit all the time? I Think a preacher should. Now, where would I get that? I don't know. It's just how we were raised. It's one of those things. I don't see where it harms anything, so I wear one. Just, isn't that weird? What if I told Tom, you have to wear a suit every time? Would you like that? Shake your head this way. No. No. Nobody likes that. You know why? They're real hot. The problem is I. In this whole scenario of problems between members, the problem is I. That's the problem. We have taken away the standard and then put myself in the standard. It could be the fact that there is a problem that we must address, and this was the statement made last week in the morning service with Nehemiah. When there is sin among us, we must deal with it. Michael Cox. Amen. And if I didn't say it loud enough last week from from my seat and you didn't hear it, amen. When there is sin among us, we've got to address that. If not, if we don't address it, how are we any better than those we tend to look down our noses at in the religious world? You're not. You're just a different flavor of the same thing. And so... When the Lord's church has people, when the Lord's people have problems, how we deal with it? Turn over to Matthew chapter 18, and let's look at the, the scripture that's given to us about dealing with problems. And we're also going to look at Matthew chapter 5, but let's start in Matthew chapter 18. This will be very familiar to most of us. Jesus speaking, and he begins a new paragraph in his speaking, and he says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. Stop right there. Now, let's take a moment to define trespass before we get out of this ballpark. Trespass is one of the six words used to describe sin. And so the idea here here is when your brother has sinned against you. When your brother has caused you to stumble into a point to where you have sinned. Let me tell you what trespass is not. The 2020 definition of being offended. Well, I didn't like that. My lovely bride. Y'all, don't tell her to watch this. Because she'll get on to me. Well, I didn't like that. I don't care. Is it, is it against God's word? No. Well, then you let me deal with my things the way I deal with my things. Sometimes, just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's a sin. Remember, I am not that standard. Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee if he has some sin against you you go and you tell him his fault look at this between you and him alone stop right there because brethren just to be real frank with you as a brotherhood we messed this one up and i'm gonna guess that this place ain't any different brethren i've been here seven months and just because I don't say everything I know doesn't mean I can't hear. If you have a fault between you and another, you go to them and you tell them alone. And if he hears thee, you gain the another. If he listens and is reasonable and understands that's a sin and he repents of it, it's done. Stop. It's finished. There is no need to go on from 16. Why? It's been rectified and reconciled right there. There's no sense in going any further. But if not, there are steps to go that would be further. That's if I have a problem with someone. Look at Matthew chapter 5, and that should be verse 23, and not verse 32. In Matthew 5, Jesus says this, Therefore... If thou bring the gift to the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you. Stop right there. Ought. Let's define what ought is. If your brother has ought against you, he has something that you have in somehow offended and caused him to sin. What is it? Well, here in Matthew chapter 5, you don't know. You know he has some kind of problem, but you don't know exactly what that is whatever that problem is, and you remember it, maybe, maybe for some reason you have put it out of your mind as you go through your day and, and as you are beginning to walk up to that altar in that temple, you think about old Joe and you said, man, no, Joe and I have been having some problems. Jesus said, leave that, leave that gift right there. Just put it down. And go settle things with Joe. Leave thy gift before the altar. Go thy way first and be reconciled to thy brother. And then, and then come and offer thy gift. If Joe has a problem with me or if I have a problem with Joe, I'm supposed to go to him. If, if Joe has a problem with me, he's supposed to come to me. If you melt Matthew chapter 18 and Matthew chapter 5 together, here's what you're going to get. If Carl and I have a problem, we're supposed to meet somewhere right in the middle of this our way as he's coming to me and I'm going to him. But you tell me how many times that happens. doesn't happen. You say, preacher, that's the Old Testament. Don't Jesus lived under the Old Testament. All that's been nailed to the cross. That principle's found in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. It's right there. You have a problem with your brother? Go to him. Don't go to everybody around him. Go right to him. Tell him what it is. Fix it. Move on with life. We got bigger fish to fry than, than dealing with little bitty petty problems we can move past that notice this Matthew chapter 7 verse 12 not verse 21 that verse that we have dubbed the golden rule you know treat folks the way you want to be treated you know that rule does that not mean anything anymore you know what I'd like for somebody to do? I'd like for Drew to be mad at me and tell everybody else in this room except for me. That's what I'd like. What I'd like for you to do, come tell me. Let us work it out. Does it not mean anything anymore? What we've become is so determined to tell somebody they're wrong, we won't help them live righteously. Notice if you will. Here she is. She's caught. Her hands are are red. They bring her to Jesus and said, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law says kill her. What do you say? You mean what he did? He wrote on the ground. He tried to ignore them. Why? Because he knows they're baiting him. He's baited, getting baited into something. From that position of riding on the ground, he says, whichever one of you has no sin, throw the first stone. And he begins to write again. And Jesus is, is perceptive enough to watch them. Leave. And they leave from the oldest man there through the youngest. Because I think sometimes we get a little softer with age. And when truth is truth, it's just truth. When Jesus says whoever's out seeing cast that first stone, that oldest guy there says, Hmm. She was caught in adultery but is that any worse than what I've done Hmm. and they all walk away he stands up from that stooped position and he says women where are your accusers I don't have any and notice his statements here neither do I accuse thee go and sin no more By the law, Jesus could not accuse her. He didn't see what she was doing. By the authority, he says, I don't accuse you either. That's not where the story ends. He says, go and sin no more. Notice what he's doing. Could he have told her she was wrong? Was she wrong? Yes. What's the intent of Christ as he's speaking to this sinful woman? Is it to tell her she's wrong or is it to help her live righteously? And now, Christian, what's your intent? Is it to tell somebody they're wrong and show them just how good you are or to help them live righteously? What are we doing? Are we going to be a family who walks into heaven together or are we going to be a family who backbites each other into hell? What are we doing? Brethren, let me make this abundantly clear. As much as I can, of these 27 books of the New Testament, there is not a command found in there that God's going to be suited with us if we just skip over. And that includes this one. We are regulated by God to work out our problems. Because the church will always have problems. Because the church will always be made up of people. What if God did that to me? What if instead of sending his son to, to die for my sin and redeem me back to him, he just told me how wrong I was and sent me to hell? I can tell you where I'd be right now, and it wouldn't be in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I wouldn't be alone, would I? If we can't forgive each other, 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, how in the world do we expect God to forgive us? How is that possible? If I'm not going to live as a Christian, but I expect God to give me the things he promised to Christians, why am I going to stand at the judgment and look and say, well, I don't know why he didn't give me. It must be all on God. Mm -mm, Brethren, we've got to look at ourselves honestly and truthfully and look at that standard that God expects us to live up to and live up to that. That's what he expects. Michael and I were talking in the uh, office last week and I was telling him that this particular Uh, sermon series and these particular events on this sermon series will really make that place right there feel like an island. Even though, as we're studying, I see you uh, shaking and nodding and kind of saying, go get them and all that kind of thing, these are not very easy sermons to preach. Then again, I never did enjoy whipping my children. You obviously are not my children. But when the family of God needs correction, doesn't it need correction? Have you become a member of the church? Have you put on Christ in baptism? Are you hoping to slide in just because you heat a seat? Come to God, believe what He says, repent of your sin, confess that Jesus is the Christ, and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Access that blood that was shed so many years ago on that cross. Become a child of His. Become a part of the family of God, brother, sister. If If you have realized throughout this sermon that your standard is I, or that maybe I'm not keeping all the commandments that God wants me to, come back home. You know what the most important thing about sermons are? Not that they're eloquent. I would be out of the running on that very quickly. Not that they are within a time frame or that, that they have... Uh, this amount of scripture or that they have this amount of of jokes they have this amount of pauses the most important part is that the hearers are educated and know what God expects do you know if you do have you been doing those things if not it's time to come home right now while we sing for your encouragement